Good morning, St. Michael's. It's a delight to be here and um, on this uh, special day for our confirmands and those to be received. I always uh, want to recognize the catechists, and in this case, the catechists are the rector and Mother Mary, so he wears many hats. Thank you for that. Um, this is a parish that's got lots of new things. Okay, thank you. That's good. I'm a yeller, but not quite that much. Um, uh, that has lots of things going on, and I want to um, applaud that and recognize the lay leadership that's making that happen in mission and education and also uh, the uh, physical plant here. And obviously all of that goes back to the clergy as uh, the source of encouragement. So I'm uh, grateful to uh, Father Chris for that leadership and for his friendship. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I once studied with a famous teacher of the Bible in college who gave a sermon called the Ten Commandments of Preaching. And of the commandments, numero uno was never preach on love. Too hard for us to get a sense of what the Bible, as opposed to our own minds and the culture, is trying to say. But today's gospel reading is all about love beginning to end and what is a preacher to do. So let's start here with the strongest experiences in your life of solidarity and common purpose and mission. Maybe that was a platoon. Maybe that was a team at work who went through thick and thin over many years. And of course, it is your family and your marriage. What are those really like when they are really in gear? I will submit to you this morning that they are like a dialogue. They are like a conversation back and forth, maybe like a song with harmony and a bit of dissonance. The Bible. We take the Bible to be one thing, but it actually means the books, and well it should, because it is more like a dialogue, more like a song that has lots of parts some of them deliberately in dissonance. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, there is one consistent voice. You hear it most clearly in the book of Deuteronomy. It is a voice that we all understand. God is our loving Father, and for that reason, He gives us commandments. They are for our own good. Obey them, says Deuteronomy, and all will go well. Break them, and trouble will ensue. That is what the Old Testament calls wisdom. The Ten Commandments, according to the Old Testament, are, in addition to being the will of God, ten ways God tells you not to put your hand on a hot stove. Israel disobeys disaster and exile ensue. It is not hard to understand this part of the song with a harmony and dissonance, which is the Bible. But there is another part, and it resonates with us too. God created us his children, and we rebel, and consequences follow. 
but they remain his children, even though at the time of the flood, he had a momentary thought to just be done with them. But he does not do that. And he opens up a path for them, us, though we are flawed and wounded so that we can survive. He gives his children the promised land. They break his heart again. The prophet Hosea says that God is like a wronged but loyal spouse, his innards all in a knot. His rebellious children go into exile. They wonder if God even remembers them anymore. But God tells them through the prophet uh, Isaiah that they are tattooed to his hands, to the palms of his hands, so that he can never fail to read them, their names. None of this is strange to us who are parents, or I suppose children too, this debate, this tug of war. Love is that bond and the struggle over consequences. Showing your love is leading your children into adulthood, into responsibility, and they remain your children still, their names engraved on your heart, even when they err. And working that out is hard. Family is where, when you have to go there, they have to take you in. Well, that would be true of the Bible, too. Only with God, there is no have to. It is all freedom. How, do we, how does God work that out? The dialogue, the struggle, we all recognize it. It is found at the heart of the Old Testament because it is found in the heart of God more intensely than we can imagine with more writing on it. Israel, how can I forget you? Can a mother forget her young? And yet the Bible says that guilt will be visited on the children to the third and fourth generation, that is consequences and then some, and along comes Ezekiel and says, but each shall die for his own sin. Love for us is being held in the web between command out of love and loyalty out of love, all of that rooted in the heart of God himself. The Old Testament is actually this dialogue over the shape of love between parent and child played out among the divine human relation. And you and I know it well because we are parents and children and we cannot resolve it on our own. Reading the Bible this way, maybe the central story is the prodigal son in the Gospels. Remember how the son takes his inheritance and he wastes it all on degenerate living. He returns in shame to his home, and he asks to be a hired hand. He deserves no more. But when he gets there, his father runs out to meet him, gives him the ring and the feast that he does not deserve. Sibling strife ensues. How come the ne'er-do-well brother got the inheritance? The name for family struggle over consequences and irrational grace in the hard-as-nails world we live in is called the church. Think for a minute about that story. The father running out to meet 
the undeserving child is Jesus Christ. He is the way that the Bible works out that dialogue, that struggle that each of us knows, justice and loyalty, one in God who remains both free and loving. There is no way, in other words, to work it out in your head. You behold it in history, in life, in the person of Jesus Christ. Greater love hath no one than would die for his friend. No thought, no self-improvement, nothing we can do for ourselves will accomplish this. We who in the story are the children stuck and hopeless in the far country. That story of the prodigal son, it tells us that though we remain in this struggle, which is called love between consequences and loyalty, we are the one that the father has to run to meet. We cannot get there back home ourselves on the commandments alone, but he comes out to meet us. And in the Bible, that is called grace. That starts a new dialogue. The dialogue doesn't go away, back and forth. The world you and I live in still is based on consequences. We often feel for self-esteem's sake we had better see ourselves as meeting the consequences laid on us. But at the same time, at a deeper level, we are the recipients as the prodigal son and daughter. The things that matter most in our lives we did not create, we cannot control, and we have been sheerly given. The final accounting, though we do have accountability in our days, is not done by us, but by a father who runs to us in order to embrace us. Those who are being uh, received and being confirmed, they are thinking consciously and saying consciously a yes to the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. And all of us here witnessing and supporting them are reconfirming that as well. What is that life? It is the same dialogue I am speaking of. Aware of the things we have to live up to, resistant to being welcomed as the ne'er-do-well, hearers of the news of God's sheer grace, we sometimes leave out the parts of the story that make us realize we are not its masters or authors. But just the same, there are things God wants you in Jesus Christ to do. That makes it no less clear that he has reclaimed us by that grace. We, all of us, argue with it, resist it, and finally, by grace, accept. Today's gospel is about the love of God, which is actually this conversation beneath which God has embraced us. Today's gospel is about how the love of God precedes all that we do. We are drawn into its force field of love that has pre-existed all of us, existed from eternity in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is about how we have nothing to add to this treasure and how that dawns on us. And then it goes on to tell us that once this is clear, 
there are things expected of us. Live out your gratitude every day in a similarly generous way to fellow Christians and neighbors and enemies. In other words, do what you are called to do so as to live out the consequences as you can, always remembering that the beginning is the grace of God shown to you. Jesus in today's gospel says bear fruit, and that means good consequences. But only after you realize that you have been made his by his work and for his reasons. I am reminded of the collect in the prayer book, which asks that God might make us love what he commands. And that is what today's gospel is about. The God who commands, the same one who loves you unconditionally, and the same one who summons you to love your neighbor. They are all one in God. We see them kiss one another in Jesus. Someday across the river, they will meet perfectly in our own hearts. It is another whole sermon to wonder how people get to the point in their lives of realizing that we are not meant to work God into our plan. He has already worked us into his, wandering though we be. For some people, a crisis in their life turns their head. Others are converted inch by inch. Things conspire. A feeling of being welcomed in some moment in your life. A new way of thinking through something you read. A friend whose faith impresses you. A sudden sense of how deep the tragedy and beauty of the world is. Maybe the march of time. Regret you cannot get free of. The dilemma of having and being a child, love that undoes our own contractual dilemma, all of this is related to the answer the Bible wants us to hear decisively in our lives. The points in our lives where heartbreak, love, gratitude, and hope converge are often the moments in which a door opens in which God changes the game and shows us how Jesus Christ has run to meet us. The great disciples, Paul, the persecutor, the disciples who have just fled their Lord, they were not at first accountable and suddenly their hearts were turned and they followed where he led. In summary, that dilemma, love as accountability, love as loyalty, it is familiar to you, it runs through the Bible, and God means for you to be unable to solve it unless you triangulate and navigate off of Jesus Christ, who is himself the answer. Groucho Marx once said that he would never want to be a member of any organization that would have him as a member. By contrast, church is where when we go there, they have to take us in because Jesus already has. And there ensue the family dinner, the contentious family meeting, and it is to be hoped the block party. 
And in that sense, and especially and only in that sense, the doubts of my Bible teacher or Tina Turner notwithstanding, love does in fact have everything to do with this.